You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Michelle, it's great to be back recording with you again. How are you today? Very well, thank you, Mel, and looking forward to doing some gardening with you today. Oh, I love our headline so much. What happens when a flower fails to bloom? So this comes from a quote, when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment, not the flower. Tell us about what this makes you think about. So this quote, which like a lot of other things you see, you get a bit of inspiration. It came to me some years ago and I thought, gee, this this so encapsulates what happens when I am asked by clients to do stuff for them. And often the stuff is around fixing women. So, hey, Michelle, can you come and run a leadership program or a how women can be more confident program or assertive, insert whatever it is. And my reaction is, yeah, that's fantastic that you want to invest in your women. But the reality is we don't want to fix women. They don't need fixing. They need help and they need continuous professional development like every other professional. But gee whiz, we have to look at the environment that they're in. What sort of workplace are they in? And will that workplace allow them to bloom, to thrive, to flourish, to advance. Yeah, I want to share something that came across my LinkedIn feed recently that's related to this. There was a recruiter in my network that posted one of those survey questions that has multiple choice that you can pick from. And the question says, what do you think are the biggest challenges women are facing today in the workforce? And the options listed are upward mobility slash glass ceiling, pay disparity, work-life balance slash flexibility, and lack of female mentors. And for me, the language here is a little bit ambiguous. It's not that any of these challenges are wrong. All of these challenges exist somewhere and in some form for women, but it does kind of draw a picture for us in a way of how we can think about, even with good intentions, we can think about these issues of inequity in the wrong way. What do you think about that, Michelle? Yeah, I think that my continuing research and of course work around making workplaces that work for women and other underrepresented people tells me that we're not asking the right questions. So the person who's asking that question on LinkedIn is simply not asking the right questions. They're asking a bunch of questions based on their already embedded assumptions about what's going on for women. And of those questions asked, there's a fair bit there around that woman herself rather than the environment that she's in. So I would rather see us saying what might not be working in this workplace for women and other underrepresented people? What are the barriers that are in the way of those people that I need as a decision maker, as a leader of people, as a custodian or governor of the business? What do I need to do to remove those barriers so that they can be successful? Because of course, when women and others are successful, the organisation will be successful. So that's what occurs to me, Mel, is that we've got to start asking better questions, which means 
we need to examine our own mindsets about the role of women in society, at work, with power, with careers, with leadership and saying, what might it take for them to be successful? Right. And let's also just be really clear when we're talking about these barriers and challenges that these are systemic challenges, barriers that women didn't put these challenges there. So it's not like women created their glass ceiling and they're trying to overcome some mental hurdle here. This is a systemic problem that's going to require more attention than women alone coming to the table. So you do have some better questions for us on your blog, and I want to pluck out a few of these for us to talk about. So consider, this is speaking to workplace leaders, consider these questions. Are the women in your workplace really less confident? And this topic comes up so frequently, but maybe give us just the the quick lowdown on why this one continues to come up. Well, this one continues to come up because in talent-related sessions, and let's face it, if you're a people leader or a manager, you're having talent-related sessions all the time. But those formal talent-related sessions where we're saying, okay, who gets the pay rise, the promotion, the secondment, the opportunity, the rating, the performance rating, I have heard time and time again around, well, she's just not confident enough. And I am really frustrated by this because is she really not confident enough or is the system getting in her way? And there are systemic issues that stop women from portraying a set of traits and characteristics that we have traditionally seen are the hallmark of leadership, which of course is rubbish. So there's two things here. We mistake confidence for competence. And Thomas Chamorro Pramuzic, a researcher, sociologist, has debunked this myth in his TED Talk book and research titled, Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? And What We Should Do About It. And what we should do about it is stop saying, hey, if I see a confident, charismatic person, gee, they must be a great leader. That's just not wrong. And not right, I should say. We need to start looking for competence and credibility. Does this person have the competencies and the credibilities to lead themselves, others, and organizations, rather than the person who can blag their way into any environment, the old fake it till you make it kind of stuff, because that's not necessarily a hallmark of good leadership. So confidence is a really big deal. And of course, the other side of it, Mel, is that when you tell someone something often enough about themselves, they will actually start believing it. So women are marinating in advice from birth. And part of that advice is you must have imposter syndrome and you must be less confident because you're a woman. Well, how about we say, I'm going to call bullshit on that. How about we look at the environments that they're placed into and say, has this woman been set up for success? Have women been set up for success? Because if you're constantly, yeah, this would be like, and I use this same example all the time. Hey, Michelle, you're about to go and run the 100 metres sprint with Usain Bolt and we expect you to win. So would I rock up confident to that? I'm a woman in her 50s who's fairly plump, built for comfort, not speed. I don't run. 
would I turn up to that feeling, yay, I'm confident that I've got all of the training, the skills, the support to give it a red hot go against what was the fastest man in the world? Of course I wouldn't. Now that's an extreme example, but this is what we're expecting women to do, to front up into environments that are at best vaguely unfriendly and where they haven't been given the right career advice and at worst outwardly hostile towards them and their progression. So if she appears less confident, let's ask the questions about what's going on in her environment to make her appear less confident. But also let's say, what are her competencies? How credible is she? Those are better questions to ask. Yeah, I'm going to tell another story here. I just can't forget this experience that I had talking with a a senior level engineer who they were sort of complaining to me. They were recounting how there was this young white male engineer who came into the company hot, walked into the room with the CEO at one point and said that horrible line, you know, I want your job one day kind of thing. And This is the company of, I don't know, about 1,200 people. And he went on to tell me that they had, this senior engineer, that they had invested a lot of time and effort into this young man, mentoring him, making sure he got good opportunities, which means good projects, things like that, access to opportunity. And he was upset that this person ended up defecting. And I can't remember now if it was that he just left the company entirely or moved away where there wasn't an office and was just working remotely, but had abandoned what this person saw as providing plump, ample opportunities to him. So I listened to all this and I just couldn't help but think because women often show up in a different way. And I I had someone else in mind, another young woman engineer who is culturally and linguistically diverse, she would never show up that way. She would never walk into the room with the CEO and say, I want your job one day. But in reality, is probably more deserving of that extra effort to get good projects and get support to advance. But the bias comes right through with what you said from Tomas of we have this thing that happens in our society where we mistake confidence for competence and potential. Yeah. And, you know, with your colleague, and we know that whether it's your cultural heritage, whether you're a black woman, a brown woman, a woman of color, I'm very careful about not lumping all women into one category here, but we know that there are expectations baked into people's psyches about how they expect women to behave. And then you layer on top of that how they expect women from, or non-white women to behave, et cetera, et cetera. So if she did, even if your colleague did rock up and say, hey, I'm ready to take your job, it would have been really jarring for that person to hear because their impression of her as a probably demure respectful, quiet, blah, 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 deferential person would have been smashed and she would have been punished for that, whether overtly or covertly, they would have gone, wow, well, she's a bit full of herself and be patient, dear, take a back seat, yada, 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 and wouldn't have been seen as likable. And of course, this is the, I mean, I talk about the Heidi Howard experiment. We've seen in 
Research and um, academic studies and the Heidi Howard experiment in 2003 is a, a perfect example. It's been done by Harvard. It's been done by Stanford. A number of different colleges have done this where the CV, the resume of a successful Silicon Valley venture capitalist, Heidi, a real person, was presented, Heidi Roizen was her name, was presented to two different groups of students. Now, in one case, the professor left it as Heidi. And then in the other case, in the other group of students, the same CV was redacted and then redone as Howard. The students who had had Howard's CV, not forgetting this is the same CV, said, wow, this guy's amazing, would love to work with him, absolutely want to work for a go-getter like that, blah, 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 blah. The people, the students, and this is students of all genders who had Heidi's CV, again, reinforcing listeners, same CV, said, yeah, no, I'm not particularly compelled to work for someone like her. I think she'd be quite selfish, a bit hard to take, yada, yada. So these expectations about how women are expected to behave, uh, the double bind is also that one of those barriers. So if a woman in your environment or women are attracting comments in talent-related sessions like she's just not confident enough, take a step back and then step back into that in, that conversation and say, hang on a minute, Number one, why is she less confident? Quite frankly, she may be, have been conditioned to not speak up and speak out, speak up and stand out because when she does, she gets punished. Number two, she's probably just sick of it. You know, she's tired and what have you. But number three, we're not even talking about her competency and her credibility to run this business or run her part of the business. So these are just the questions. And of course, we haven't, we've talked about her. Let's talk about the environment. Has she been set up to be confident? And, you know, let's define what confidence is that is worthy for our organisation to drive the business forward. What are those traits and characteristics we're really looking for? So, yes, I get very animated when when I hear she's just not confident enough, Mel. Yes. So I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago. You said at best these environments are vaguely unfriendly. So we're talking about the workplace environment. And a lot of leaders can be out of touch for that. So going back to your list of questions here for leaders to ask themselves, I want to point out too here, what is the lived experience of women in your workplace? And does your workplace work for women? Well, Michelle, who do they need to talk to to get the answers to these questions? Not chat GPT, I'll give you the tip, or Google. They need to talk to the women in their workplaces and... I'm currently wading through a whole bunch of analysis from a really big piece of work I'm doing around the sporting workplace. Now, of course, I think we can translate sporting workplaces to workplaces more broadly. But one of the things that's really struck me, Mel, and continues to strike me across all of the sectors I work in is the closer you get to the top, the less likely you are to hear about what's really happening in the workplace for folks who are entry level and middle level, particularly those folks who don't form part of the dominant group. I'm going to quote from Sheila Flavell, who we interviewed for the podcast a couple of years ago. Sheila is the COO of a multinational organisation. And she said one of her greatest frustrations 
is getting the answers she needs, not what people want her to hear. And she was very practical and just said, look, I know I'm senior. People see me as quite important and they tell me what they think I want to hear. The reality is I want to hear what it's really like so I can do something about it. So as part of that, my first call to action for leaders is, are you hearing what you really need to hear? If not, why not? And if you're not hearing at all, how about you go and ask? And one of the things that I do with all of my clients is say to the CEO and their team, I want you to go and have conversations with the folks that you're trying to solve for here. I want you to go and sit down and go on, well, have a listening tour of the folks. So if it's women, if it's women of color, if it's other underrepresented people in your organization, if you're really trying to make a workplace that works for women, well, for any human really, but certainly for the people that we know are underrepresented, you need to go and ask them, but you need to do it in a way where you're going to get what you need to hear, not what they want you to hear. Okay. This brings us back around to when you've got the answers to these questions that we've been discussing, what are you going to do about it? Because when a flower doesn't bloom, you fix the environment. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do about it is number one, be very visible and very vocal about the fact that you're doing this and do this right from the start leaders. For CEOs listening and anyone on the CEO's team, be absolutely transparent. I want to make a workplace that works for all humans. And right now, I think my instinct and data is telling me it's not working for some of our humans. So I'm about to go on a listening tour. Be abs- Don't over egg this, right? Just I'm about to go and ask some people what it's really like. Please trust me that I'm going to do something about it. When you've done that, sit in your shit. You got to sit in this for a while, right? You got to sit in the fact that you're going to hear some things, I hope, that are truthful, that are going to be confronting, and they're going to make you feel all sorts of different emotions. But leaders, please stop, breathe, reflect. And then talk to your teams about it, your colleagues and the people you lead to say, now, what might we do about this? Because we need to make a case for change because we need to make this a workplace that works. So practical things, have a reflection session with your teams. Here's the data. Here's the feedback that I've got from women and others. What are we going to do about this? When you decide what you're going to do about it and just pick two or three things that you're going to do really well, go back to those women initially that you've talked to and say, thank you so much for your time. Here's what I've done. I've reflected here are the insights that I've gathered. Here's the insights that I've shared with my team on what we've gathered. Here's what we're going to do next. And it doesn't need to be a full-blown strategy, but here's the steps we're now going to take. Close the loop with those women. They've given you their time, trust, vulnerability, courage. Please close the loop and be respectful and go back to them and say, this is what I've heard. This is what I'm going to do about it. And then get on and do something about it. If you don't have the capability or the capacity to do anything about it, find the right partners to help you do that. Find the right guidance. And honestly, this is, I can sum this up in one sentence, uncover the brutal truths about your organization. Mel, if this was, if there was a revenue decline, if there was a cost overrun, if there was an emerging risk, by the way, this is an emerging risk business leaders would take action. This is exactly the same. Figure out what the problem is, 
create a plan, communicate about the plan, then crack on. Brilliant. Thank you, Michelle. My pleasure. And honestly, there's just so much in this. We'll share some more stuff in the show notes, steps that leaders can take. And also, again, I'll share my, I think it's a really effective tool, the five by five discussion guide for leaders. So we'll put those links into the show notes. Excellent. Thanks, Mel. Good question. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.